This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So for, for taking notes, uh, here's the title. Now listen to this. How to prepare for a move of God. Now listen to this. In your life, in your church, in your nation. How to prepare for a move of God. How many know that there's a move of God right now brewing in the earth? And I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. In our nation right now, there's a lot, a lot of stupid stuff going on. But you remember when the children of Israel were bodies to Egypt, they cried out. They cried out to God because of what was going on in their nation. Well, right now, the believers across America are crying out because of what's going on in our nation. And so then when they cried out, God raised up Moses. And Moses had a message for them, and he had a message for the devil, which was being uh, given place to by Pharaoh. He had a message, and he warned what was going to happen if Pharaoh and the bunch didn't turn. And he told the children of Israel, get ready, get ready, said, prepare yourselves. So they killed a lamb, they put the blood over the doorpost, and God moved. And when God moved, they followed the man of God. They walked right out of bondage. Right now in our nation, the children of America are crying out to God. And God is saying what he's always said. Get ready. Prepare yourself. And this move is that little... that God gave me that title while ago we was praying at the altar over our prayer thing. That move of God begins in your family with you. It begins in your church. Because God always moves through the church. And then it spreads to the nation. And so we're going to look at some things tonight that I know are going to do things to enlighten your spiritual mind. To put hope in your spirit. But I want to always say this. Here's another thing. I just ask more questions because I, I, I want to do something to help put some conviction in you. About make some adjustments in life. And this is another question. Not to hurt, but just a challenge. How many are going through our Bible study we do every month that we put on there every day? We get the paper back there, et cetera, et cetera. A few of you are doing that. Most of you aren't. Well, go to our, either, either look at your bulletin for the scriptures we use for our Bible study that we do every day, or go on hdwc.org. You pull it up, hdwc.org. Just push the blog button. It pulls up the scripture we're studying. But anyway, for these first five days of the month, we read one chapter of the book of James every day. And the book of James is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. It deals with a lot of issues of life. And I seek God about what to do for our Bible study, for about what he said to this church in particular, the believers of this church. So for us to be in unity as God's dream team, if we study together, pray together, and have our faith in the same arena, we're going to be a dream team right here for God, right here. And you know... I've got a verse that I really try to live my life along. Years ago, I went, well, I didn't go to it, I had it at my church. Had a really, really, really great man of God that went around the nations doing vision seminars, etc., for businesses, for churches and things. And he said this. He said, you need to have a life scripture that you live your life around. He said, you need to have, you need to have something out there in front of you that you want to hear Jesus say about you when you stand in front of him at the judgment seat of Christ. And then you make all the rest of your decisions in your life, things you do for your job, your family, 
Church, everything you do, live up to what God's put in your heart to live by for what you're going to stand in front of Jesus for. And so I prayed and I come across Acts 13.22. At Acts 13.22, God said this about King David. He said, I found David, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Which shall fulfill all my will. I determined that day and every day since then, every time I get a new Bible, and I have a multitude of new Bibles because my Bible doesn't stay parked on my coffee table. My Bible gets used every day. I wear out a lot of Bibles. And so my Bible, every time I get a Bible, I go to Acts 13.22, I cross out David, and I, wrote, and I write, I have found Bernie, the son of Barney. My dad's name was Barney. A man after my own heart which shall fulfill all, fulfill all my will. And I look at that verse all the time because I know that God has a purpose for my life. And I know what that purpose is. Anything that pulls me away from that purpose, I have to stop and adjust to make sure I'm following the purpose. And so for your life, for the move of God that God wants to do in your family, in your life, you need to stop and cut off distractions. I want to say that again. There's a lot of good things and a lot of good people that want your time. But are they God things? And are they God people for your times? You know, I trade my leadership. Oh, man, i got to get back to this. Oh. I trade my leadership this for the church. If there's something that only you can do in the church, that's what you do. But if you're, if you're doing something anybody in the church can do, you get somebody else to do it so you can do what only you can do. Why should we waste our energy if we got somebody in the church that's highly anointed to work the books of the church, to have them over here cleaning on the church Monday through Friday where they, anybody can do a sweep or a broom. And say, and that's, not a, not, that's not a minor job. That's a major job. But if the people are doing things they can do to free somebody up to do, to do things they can't do, then we're going to get job, God's job done. And so what I'm saying is this, take that and apply that to your family life. Do the people distract you during the week? Are you the one that really has to give all those rides, or can somebody else take them for a ride? Are you the one that really has to show up and babysit, or can somebody else do some babysitting sometime? You need to stop and look at things in your life to see what it is you need to major on, and then find somebody else to do things that anybody can do. And we love grandmas, love grandpas, we love to babysit, because we're grandma and grandpas. But I'm talking about in everyday life, sometimes, sometimes there's little things out there in life that are good things, but you need to spread the blessing around because they're not God things all the time. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about preparing for a move of God. And uh, I want you to look at a couple verses here. Look at Second Timothy or First Timothy, I should say. First Timothy, chapter two, verse 15. We're talking about preparing for a move of God. That wasn't the title I had, but as we go, you'll see how it fits in what we're saying now. First Timothy 2.15. Did I get that wrong? Second Timothy 2.15. I was right the first round. Second Timothy 2.15. says this. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly interpreting 
the word of truth. That word divided means interpreted. You've got to study to rightly interpret what the Bible says about your life, about life in general, about church life, about your local community, about the nation, about the world. God's got it all right here, what his plan and purpose is and what his plan is for man, especially you for where you are. God's got the plan. And he says, study, show yourself approved. And so one way to prepare for a move of God is prayer. How many believe that? I mean, that's the most important thing is prayer is the number one thing. God really talked to me years and years and years ago about a move of God. And he told me the first thing he always does before he moves in a great way is he causes people to prayer as people respond by prayer. And we're not talking about the little Mickey Mouse prayers. We're talking about people that pray and get serious about praying. And people stop and get quiet and lay aside other things and pray and cry out that God, that God sends the move. And so the prayer is very important and that's vital and is very necessary. But also God's people need to know how to rightly interpret the scriptures. And the reason being, they need to be solidly grounded in right Bible doctrine when God begins to move. I'm going to teach about why that's so important in just a minute. Because when God moves, the devil tries to stop the move. And if God's people aren't grounded, spiritually grounded in the Word of God, rightly interpreting the Word of Truth, then they'll, 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 they'll blow up the move. It'll go squirrely. It'll go haywire. And everybody says, look at those goofy people. Look at those goofy people. Well, it started off it was God because they didn't know what the Bible really said, how we should behave ourselves as believers. Then they blew it. Made God look bad. Made churches look bad. And everything looked bad. But God wants things to go how He wants them to go. He wants Christians to be solid Christians in the Word of God. And I, I'll give you an example. John 10.10. 10. You write this one down. Uh, think about Donnie and uh, what he's going through. Think about what some of the other people at church things are going through right now. John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life abundantly. Well, the Amplified Bible says that they might have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. In abundance to the full till it overflows. Amen. And I, I call that the dividing line of the Bible. That shows you, if you will get that verse in your heart and in your thinking... Every situation you come up against, you'll know whether it's God or whether it's the devil. And I'm going to show you in a minute some things I'm going to talk to you about why that's so important to know that. Because too many Christians have been wrongly taught and given the devil credit for what God's doing. Given God the credit for what the devil's doing. The devil's the one that hurts little babies. The devil's the one that causes divorce. The devil's the one that causes you to go broke. The devil's the one that splits churches. The devil's the one that sends sickness and disease. The devil's the ones behind it. But so many times, because Christians have been uh, religiously taught, religiously brainwashed, instead of Bible taught, they say, well, God must be doing this to teach me something. God must be teaching me something. Well, when you rightly interpret the word of truth, you find out that faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You find out that God does not tempt any man with evil. 
Amen. He can't be tempted with evil, tempts no man with evil. And then another way they book of the scriptures, first, well, I've got good notes up here, I'm getting to them. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, God will not allow you to be tempted. Above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you'll be able to bear it. And some people, not some people, a lot of people, even people from this church, they'll give testimony sometimes. Well, God said He wouldn't put more on me than what I could handle. That's not what that verse says. It says He not, will not allow the devil to tempt you. Above your pay grade. Yeah. Amen. He says he'll not let you be tempted above that you're able. God knows where you're at in life. The devil is down here on earth. God knows what grade you're in. Now, if you're still a kindergarten Christian, you're not going to be expected to pass a college exam. Amen. There's bigger shots could come my way than a lot of people. Because I can handle more than a lot of people. Because of my... Uh, Maturity in Christ, cause of my word level, cause of my experience in Christ, and what I know works. But some of you can't be on that level, so God won't let the devil hit you on that level. But it didn't say that God won't put more on you. God didn't put it on you. The thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. Jesus come for you to be blessed. He'd make a way to escape. And the way to escape most of the time is going to be God's going to show you Bible verses to use. <laughs> Donnie, I like that. Lazarus was a flat line. <laughs> he was, he was, he was. Hallelujah. And so flat line doesn't mean it's the dead line. Hey, because Jesus has, has a lifeline. <laughs> and it's called the Word of God, and it will pull you out. Amen. I hope you're writing those notes down, taking, taking some good notes. But uh, I, I, I want to start this off by reading. I want to pretty much read what I wrote down this afternoon, because I want to, I want to say it how I did it. But... Uh, when I first got saved, the church I went to wasn't out of word of faith. It was a good Pentecostal church, but not word of faith. They knew things about the Holy Ghost, which was awesome, but they were ignorant about some very important Bible truths. They were ignorant. They knew the Holy Ghost, but they were ignorant about a lot of Bible things. And so such as how to grow in faith and how to overcome trials and hard times in life. They were ignorant about that. I don't know about you. A lot of times, you know, somebody comes to the church and say, well, what's your, what's your religious background? Well, I used to go to the Catholic church. Or when I was a boy, my mom took me to the Baptist church, things like that. My dad and mom took me to the tavern. I didn't have any religious background. I, I come from Centerville. Anybody else here ever been to Centerville? That's where sinners lived. That's, I come from Centerville, so I knew nothing. Now, get this. When I got born again... It was a bona fide, like that guy that Pastor Dave talked about a while ago, I got born again. Well, I got born again, it was a revelation to me that Jesus Christ was real. It was a revelation to me that God was real. And I was so happy at 28 and a half years old, after living a very messed up life, to find out God was real. I found out He was real. I was so hungry, I was like Henry. I was like Donnie is right now. How Donnie's staying. I was like, I was like this... I was so hungry, and I got to the first church that God got me to, that Pentecostal church, and they preached these words. Great faith comes from great trials. God gives you great trials because He wants you to have great faith. Totally, totally, totally not Bible. The Bible teaches in no uncertain terms, trials come from the devil. They're designed to steal you, to make you backslide, to pull you away from God, to hurt your family, hurt everything. Uh, in James chapter 1, I'll give you some verses later on to look at. In James chapter 1, it says, Let no man say when he's tempted that he's tempted to God. 
Because God cannot be tipped with evil. He tipped any man. It says there's no, there's no variation in God. It said he never changes. It said God's always the same. God is not the tempter. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted of the devil, the Bible says when the tempter came. The devil's the tempter. So anyway, these people didn't teach those things. Holy Ghost was there. We sang, we danced, we fell out, we prophesied, we did all kinds of wonderful spiritual gifts things. But when they taught the Bible, they said that great faith comes from great trials. I'm a brand new baby Christian. I found out Jesus is real. And my whole thought is this. I've got a lot of catching up to do. These guys are light years ahead of me. And so I would see great preachers preaching. And I think, wow, I want to be like them. Wow. And they, you know, these guys would talk about these great trials. And so if I'm a young Christian and I want to grow fast, what do I pray for? Lord, give me the worst trials you got. Pull my way. Well, what God did it is the devil threw him because I opened my mouth and opened the door. And so my first few months, my whole family broke apart. Everything, total disaster. Job I'd had since I was 18 years old at a truck dock, man, it started splitting up. I mean, H-E-L-L was least of my, least of my life. But praise God, as I was driving my truck, I started hearing a man named Kenneth Hagan on the radio. I started hearing a man named Kenneth Copeland on the radio. I started hearing these guys teaching. I started hearing things different than what the church was saying. And so I began to hear that, and I started praying. I said, Lord, is there a church like that in Indianapolis? Is there a church that has a pastor that believes the Bible like Brother Hagin or Brother Copeland believe the Bible? And so God led me to a church that's called Word of Faith Church. We're Word of Faith Church. So God led me to that Word of Faith Church, and I began to get my mind and my head on straight according to the Scriptures. I began to see what the Bible had to say, and the most important thing was I started doing what the Bible said to do. My church had a 9 o'clock adult Bible class that the pastor taught. I was there at 8.30. I sat through that class. Church started at 10 o'clock, and back in those days, Word of Faith Churches went a minimum of three hours. So I was there till one o'clock, unless they went longer. And then they had nighttime service at six o'clock. I was there at six o'clock. They had Monday morning prayer at nine o'clock. And if my schedule permitted my truck driving job to be there at nine, I was there at nine for prayer. Matter of fact, I met a, be- I met a beautiful lady there. Hey, man. It prays to go to prayer meeting, guys, if you need a girls too, but don't go there looking for that. Go there, go there, follow Jesus. But let me tell you, you're going to have more chance for success in relationships if you find her there than on the internet or in the bar. Amen, amen, amen. amen. I'm not saying you can't have a good relationship with somebody at the tavern. Both better get saved on fire for God. Amen. So anyway, I went to prayer Wednesday night. They had service from seven o'clock till nine o'clock. There wasn't any of this eight o'clock stuff. Seven o'clock till nine o'clock. Because people were hungry, they were teaching the Word, and we wanted it. And then Saturday, every Saturday, every Saturday, every Saturday at 8 o'clock, the pastor had a men's meeting. Well, I bet they had good coffee and donuts. We didn't go there for coffee and donuts. They didn't have them. Well, I bet they had good eggs and stuff. Didn't have them. What we had was a man of God that was like Jesus sitting there. He had his Bible opened. We brought our notebooks, bought our Bibles. And we sat there at his feet for a couple hours every Saturday morning. He taught us how to be a husband. He taught us how to be a dad. He taught us how, if we were single, how to live a chaste single life. 
to be pure. He taught us those things. I got grounded in the Word of God. What's the result today? I got a beautiful wife and family. Got that part turned around. I got good jobs over the years. And when when jobs came and jobs went, I have found out how to survive and thrive till the next job showed up. I found out what to do. And then the result is, look where I am today. I'm out here in California, a few guys, teaching you how to prosper, how to do good. And it all started from what I'm going to talk about tonight. I got away from that goofy teaching. Amen. I got around solid Bible teaching. I learned what to do when hard, hard times come. And I, I, I want to make this statement. And I think this is going to help some people in here because the Lord gave it to me a while ago. I heard Jerry Savell make this statement back in about 1983 at Dr. Lester Summerall's church up in South Bend. Now, get this. Now, this this especially, and you know if you've had goofy thinking around, I don't know y'all. If you've had religious thinking about trials and things, you need to write this down. Is this. Jerry Savell said this back in, it had to be about 1983. If great faith come from great trials that we'd all be spiritual giants. Because nobody here hasn't had a great trial. Great faith does not come from great trials. Great faith comes by what you do with the Word of God while you're in the trial. <coughs> great faith comes by what you do with the Word of God while you're in the trial. And so I want to look at Psalms 107. And we're going to look at the things in Psalms 107. And I really believe this will help prepare you how to pass any test comes your way. But hopefully, it'll help you stay out of some of the traps you've been to in the past. You know, I like what Pastor Dave said this morning, man. I'll tell you what. I got nuggets off what he said this morning. I like that one especially. Don't blame God for the consequences of your bad choices. I want to say that again. Uh, where's Pastor Dave at? Is he babysitting? Okay. He's parenting. Okay. Uh, now listen, this is how this works with your, with your public speaker. If you give somebody credit for it the first two or three times you say it, then after that it's yours. You don't have to give them credit anymore. So, uh, Pastor Dave said, don't blame God for your consequences when you make bad choices. Okay, now, Pastor Sample said. Don't blame God if you have bad choices. <laughs> okay, Dave, should have been here because that's it. All right. Psalm 107 <clears throat> is such such a good psalm. Really, to me, it showed a lot about Israel. But I think this is speaking personally to a lot of church members. And all of us at one point in time can identify some things in here. But I want you to look at verse 8. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. God wants us as believers to do like what Donnie did at the gas pump and what a lot of you do as part of your regular lifestyle. What says be not only praisers, but testify to people about how good God is. It says in verse nine, for he satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. If you stay hungry for God, he's going to fill you up with his goodness. And then he says in verse 10, such as sit in darkness and the shadow of death being bound in affliction and iron. In other words, 
talking about captivity to the enemy. How many know that drug addictions are captivity to the enemy? Amen. Alcohol addictions, captivity to the enemy. Uh, sexual addictions, captivity to the enemy. You know, just you just stop. Just stop and look at people. You know, your family, maybe how you were in the past. Things that had you in bondage, where you were chained by the devil, and you did things you didn't want to do, and you cried out to God, you wanted to be free. That's what he's talking about. People that are in bondage to the devil. And then I noticed what he says here, verse eleven. And this is talking to to us tonight, to the church. Because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned or despised the counsel of the Most High. And so what he said here, they despised the word of God and went their own way. And that's what Pastor Dave was talking about this morning. We as Christians cannot take the word of God lightly. When God tells us what to do, we do it and just say, yes, sir, I'll do that and I'll praise you, sir. I'll praise you, sir. I love you, sir. And, you know, tithe is a really good example. We already took up the offering, so I'm not here to get an offering off you, things like that. But when God tells you, don't take that and blow it, give me 10% of that. God is not saying that because he doesn't want you to have money. God's saying that because he wants you to have money. God is saying, you bring it in, I'll open the windows of heaven on you. You know, you've been barely getting by. I'll open the windows of heaven and you won't just barely get by now. You're going to start really getting by. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And so all those little financial traps he had set for you, the devil had set for you. God said, hey, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. But God said, you bring it in. And when you hear that and you know in your heart God's talking, you don't do that, then you're despising. You're despising the counsel of God. You're despising his word and you open up a door to be attacked. Can you see that? That's despising the word of God. When God says, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. He says, love the unlovely. When he says those kind of things, we make a statement right here all the time. Invite your enemies to church. Because your enemies come, they get born again. They won't be your enemies anymore. They'll be your friends. When God tells you on the job or in your neighborhood or in your family, when people are absolutely making your life horrible on earth, when God says... Bless them. When God says, give to them. When God says, say something nice about them on Facebook, even if you're a Facebook addict. I'm not. I've been delivered. But if you, amen. I never was an addict, but I was sure into it for a while. But praise God, delivered all the way. And so the thing is, when God tells you, do something nice, and his word tells you marble places how to love people, and you don't do it, you're despising his word. And then when the doors open up and you start to become captive again, and you see these verses here that you're supposed to be doing good concerning the Word of God. Amen. We're talking about how to keep those doors closed and how to prepare your family for revival, how to prepare for revival. And so it says then that they despise the Word. And then verse 12 says, Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. Now verse 13 and verse 14 is the cycle a lot of Christians go through. Then they cried unto the Lord their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. That's how God is. You know, I used to have a guy went to church and then Mike Van Ord, he goes to Pastor Long's now, which is fine. You know, you go where, where God called you. And but Mike would hear for years and years and years and years. And how many know Mike's standard answer when you said, Mike, how you doing? Still living. Still living. And so I want to tell you, if you're breathing, 
If you're living, it's not too late for you to change. Amen. Amen. No matter how many times you fall down and you get stupid, do stupid things, cry out to Him in your trouble, He's going to show up again. He's not going to say, I'm mad at you. He's not going to say, what an idiot you are. He's going to say, come on, get up. My son paid the price for this. Just repent, get up. And Jesus, a couple of places I think of the gospel, Jesus, when he got people healed, he said, go and sin no more. And so we as Christians have to know we open doors to our rebellion. But when we do, it's not over. Unless it's a really serious one that takes you out. You're out, you're out, you're gone. Or then it's over and I hope you're saved. <laughs> but anyway, as long as you're still breathing, they cried out to God. He delivered them. But you notice, I want you to notice what opened the door is they rebelled against his words. You've got to be grounded in the word of God. You've got to know the word of God. You've got to obey the word of God. You've got to obey the word of God. Oh, I think about that church. That, that was such a good church, such good people. Matter of fact, I told you this morning, I Googled that church to see if it's still there. They're there. They're doing really good. And I even saw a couple of different family names there that were there 37 years ago when I was there. And I'm sure that, that some of them the offspring of people there years ago, probably grandchildren, maybe great-grandchildren now. But it's so nice to see that church stayed alive and doing good things for God back in Indianapolis. But I praise God I got into a church that taught me the Bible so my son got leukemia and got crippled. I was able to recognize God's not teaching me something. That's the devil trying to steal my son. I was able to take authority over that and get that done. And when I, when I get laid off from jobs, that when God tried to teach me something, make me lose my house and lose my car and go broke, that was the devil trying to make me go broke. And I knew I had tithers rights and I could claim my tithers rights. Then I thank you, Jesus. I didn't, I'd just get laid off. You have promotion for me. My next one will be better. I'll tell you what, nearly all the time, my next job was always better, always better, always better. Because I knew that I had to keep my heart right, my words right with God's Word. And God always promoted me, always blessed me, because I knew where the hit came from. It wasn't God, it was the devil. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. So you notice it says, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And then it says, He brought them out of darkness... And the shadow of death, and he broke their bands in sunder. Has anybody here ever been delivered from something serious the devil had on them, a stronghold of any kind? Well, I'll tell you what, I've been delivered from things over the years. It's been a long time since so I had to be set free from really stupid bad stuff, but I praise God I got delivered off the things that used to have a hold on me. There's nothing that has a stronghold on me now except God. Amen. Do you know it's okay to be addicted to the Word? Amen. I met a new young couple this morning on the patio out here was leaving. I didn't see them in the service, shaking their hands and talking to them. And, and Mr. Pastor said something about, why don't you guys come back tonight? I said, yeah. I said, I said, nobody's ever died from an addiction to church. Amen. Come back tonight. Become a church addict. Amen. And, and you know, I think about this thing about demon possessed. How would you like to be Holy Ghost possessed? Amen. I mean, the Holy Ghost is a spirit. And demons are spirits. So if the demon can possess people, why can't the Holy Ghost possess people? Well, the way people get demon possessed, they yield to the devil. The way you get Holy Ghost possessed, you yield to the Holy Ghost. That was good, wasn't it? Write that down. I want to hear that later. 
Amen. Why don't we have a church full of possessed people, possessed of the Holy Ghost? Where the Holy Ghost leads, the Holy Ghost moves, and people just go with it. Let the Holy Ghost lead them. Not a church full of flakes, but I like, I like what Donnie did. Donnie's got the real fire. He's got the real stuff. Other people do too. I like that gas pump deal. That wasn't some conjured up, made up thing. That was the Holy Ghost through him speaking words of life the man needed to hear. Hey, did you hear the good news? Wasn't that better than a card? Did you hear the good news, sister? What is the good news? Well, I'm thinking, well, the good news is jerk it out of my face before I hit you. I don't want you in my face. Amen. But when it's anointed good news, that's somebody that pretty, to me, is getting pretty much possessed of the Holy Ghost. But they're letting God take their life over and use them to speak words of life into people. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, he broke the chains asunder. Now notice verse 15 and 16. He says this. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. All through this whole chapter of Psalms, he says that statement over and over and over and over again. This is prepared for a move of God in your life. That men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. Tell the children of men his wonderful works, what he's doing in your life. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars in sunder. A true victorious life begins when you praise the Lord all the time, both in church and especially outside of the church. Amen. How many believe we heard some great, wonderful, awesome, anointed testimonies in here tonight? You know what? That was good. I'm glad we heard it. But you know where they need to hear them out the most? Out at the Marine Base tomorrow. Up at Fort Irwin tomorrow. Down at Vons tomorrow. In the school tomorrow. And somebody said, well, it's against the law to do it in the school. Hey, they're preaching all the Islam they want to in schools now. Why don't we bring Christianity back into schools? Why don't some Christians stand up for their rights? Amen. Amen. And so what I said through this whole chapter over and over and over again, he said, I'm supposed to praise him for his goodness and to the children of men. Tell him the wonderful works he's doing in our life. Amen. Amen. I think about that bad man of Gadara. It said about three of the Gospels, Jesus went to uh, the city of the Gadarenes. And when he got there, there was a man in the tombs. He was chained with fetters and iron. And said the man's a wild man. Said he broke the chains off. He hurt people. Very dangerous. And Jesus cast a legion of devils out of him. And then said he was clothed in his right mind. And said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, no, you're not called to go with me as part of my team. He said, you go back there and tell them what I did. And so everybody's not called to full-time ministry. Most people are called to go back to where they came from. And people remember what a loser you were. And they look at you, and they see you, and you're clothed and in your right mind. You're delivered now. You're not an addict anymore. You're not a custom fool anymore. You're not the party animal anymore. You're a person that's stable and steady, and they look at you, and they say things like, well, I don't want anything to do with TV preachers. I won't set foot at a church, but you're right there beside them. And you're not high. You're not shaken. You're not broke. You're not whining. You're delivered. And they look at you and you've got standing in their life. You could tell them what wonderful things the Lord has done for you. And even if your mouth isn't able to open it, your life shows it. And when they see that, that makes them want what you've got. Amen? Amen. Isn't that what he's saying here? 
Amen. Amen. And so he said that we're supposed to be, be testified and praised and in church, in our prayer closet, but also to the children of men. And then notice again now, in verse 17, verse 17, verse 18, he said, fools. <laughs> I don't want to be a fool. I want to be a wise person. How about you? Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Fools open the door to trials. Fools open the door to bad things in their life. Somebody said, well, how about me? I haven't been living a wrong life. Well, sometimes the devil just comes to make an attack on your life because you are living right. But let me tell you this. You get the attack off a lot quicker if you're living right, if you're not living right. You know, Jesus said that his father makes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. Says he makes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God's blessing the whole world as much as they'll let him. But Christians that walk in their covenant, Christians that live by the word of God, they're going to come through things a whole lot faster than people are rebelling against God. Amen. Amen. He said, he said the fools, because of their transgressions and iniquities, they open doors. I want to keep the door shut. How about you? You know, in our Bible study, we're doing this month, James 4.17, a verse that was one of my favorite verses is jumping off me again all week long. James 4.17, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him in a sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, if you don't know it, God can cut you some slack. If you don't know things you're supposed to be doing yet, when I got born again, how can I know anything, man? All I knew was I wanted to be like dad and mom. <laughs> and then on Sunday morning, lay in bed, read the funny papers, when they made the kids go out and bring them into them, and then go get me some Alka-Seltzer. Okay, dad. Okay, mom. We go get the Alka-Seltzer. Fill the Alka-Seltzer up. Until next week when we filled it up. Yeah, that's all I knew about. I didn't know anything else. And so when I started learning from the Bible that God loved everybody, then I started treating people nice. When I learned from the Bible that I needed a pastor, I was at church every time the doors were open. I started learning from the Bible things to do. And I'll tell you what, I got rid of the old saying I live by, I don't get mad, I get even. I got rid of that. I don't get mad, I forgive. Amen. I don't get even. I forgive. There was things I lived by that I changed. And so now for me today, I talked about these tests a while ago for James 4.17, that uh, you don't do good, you do it not. Well, this is where you are. If you're still a kindergarten Christian, you don't know much, you can still get by being mean to people a little bit. But man, if you're in the eighth grade by now, it's time you start treating people right. Amen. If you ever want to get out of college, you better go the extra mile and really treat them right. You better do some special things for your enemies. Depends on where you are. And so that, but then also 1 John 1 7, write this one down. 1 John 1 7. And it says this if we walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so what that says is this if you do what you know to do, what you don't know to do, God's going to have mercy on clean it with the blood. You know, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, religious people I was around when I first got saved, I learned how, how to love people was this. You know, we've had a lot of people in this church over the years that have walked out the doors 
and smoke cigarettes out there around the bushes, the trees left their cigarette butts. I don't like that, but it doesn't bother me because I know those same people last week may have been getting loaded and they finally got delivered and now they're just on cigarettes. I'd rather not have the cigarette butts out there, but I'd rather have their butts in here and the cigarette butts out there. Amen. (laughs) I would rather have it that way than to have them laying in the gutter somewhere downtown drunk and maybe dying. And so God knows where they are. There's going to come a point in time, though, that God's going to expect them to graduate from the cigarette class and get rid of them. Amen. So whenever I see people, new Christians, and people just got saved and sinners that aren't saved yet doing stupid stuff, it doesn't bother me where I judge them and say, hey, man, we're the perfect church. you guys got to get out of here. Nobody in this church smokes. Nobody in this church cusses. Nobody in this church has sex outside of marriage. Nobody in this church has said, said no, this church has people come in that still haven't learned how to live right yet. But so as they come in and get under the anointing, they hear testimonies of people that live right. They hear the word of God showing them how to live right. Because at the point in time, all of a sudden, the spiritual light goes, ding! Honey, we either need to quit sleeping together or get married. That's happened so many times in this church. People come into the church and then next Pastor, we found out we need to get married because what we're doing, God doesn't approve of. I say, okay, good. We're glad to do that for you. We'll help you get married. Amen. God will take care of that for you. So I come in. You know what, Pastor? Uh, I've got one last thing really got a hold on me. It's cigarettes. Will you lay hands on me? Well, sure, lay hands on you. God wants you delivered, but the whole thing is while the process is going on, we as Christians are not supposed to hit the wounded while they're down. We're supposed to be able as Christians reach down and help them get back up. And there ought to come after a reasonable period of time that they come up or they just get freedom of their own. And then they'll come up here on Sunday and I give a testimony. I haven't had a cigarette for three weeks. Oh, thank the Lord. And think, well, glory to God, thank you. Or, you know what? Uh, my girlfriend and I have been together for 13 years and we just decided we're going to live in two different places till we can get married. I say, well, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Things are happening. Because what happens is the more that you get in line with the Word of God, the more you have to quit crying out, oh, help, help, help. Because you're living right and God's able to keep the blessing on you. Amen. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Amen. Amen. And so it says, fools, because of their transgressions, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. They're so abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. And so, fools that go back to the world and play with sin get hit hard by the devil. I want to say that again. Fools are Christians that go back to the world and play with sin. To me, I think they get hit harder. Because they've had a testimony and the devil wants to really tear up their testimony. And so, don't be a fool. You know what's right. You know what's good. If you're not living right, if you're not doing right, tell Jesus you want help. He already knows you're not doing right because he sees everything. Just say, hey Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to get back on the right path. Lord, help me to change. Help me get it right. And then you notice then, in verse 19, Then they cried to the Lord their trouble. And here he comes again. He saves them out of their distresses. They cry out again. God shows up again. 
Amen, amen, amen. I think those cried out times ought to get less and less and less and less. Well, I think about what somebody said the other day. Oh, it was Lawrence at the men's meeting. It's six years if you had it since he had a ticket. Praise God, it's been a long time since I had a ticket. I know those policemen prayers. Oh, I prayed those a few times myself. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Thank you. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> mercy, mercy, mercy. Help, help, help. When I found out in California my first year here that the deputy sheriffs, I better watch how I say this. Anyway, here's what I found out. California Highway Patrol. I don't think I've ever seen them have mercy on anybody. <laughs> Highway Patrol was in the ticket business. <laughs> one time one lady got out. But it was, it was an innocent mistake. Yeah, California High Patrol. Right when he got the book out, he got an important call. I said, hey, threw the license back in and got up the street. Thank you, Chief. Lane change. We didn't know about that lane change business going through L.A. and made a lane change. And guy, man, he was ready. He had no mercy. Anyway, what I'm saying is this. I have not had to pray that prayer for a long time. Now, you want to hear a real funny little story I'll throw in here just because it's kind of cute about innocent kids, and one of them named Joseph Samples, this innocent little boy. We were going to a preacher's convention one time in, uh, matter of fact, Tulsa, where Tony Cook was. We were stopping in Missouri, matter of fact, in Houston County. I know, I still remember that guy's ticket number. We were going on this state highway through Missouri, and it's about 2 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden, this car comes barreling up behind me, had tailgated me, man, really moving. I was doing the speed limit. I was steady 55. And the guy did that, got out of sight, and then a few minutes later, he's doing about 30 miles an hour to come up on him. And so I thought, this guy's a nut. Well, watch what I do. And so I thought, man, I don't want to do 30. I want to do 55. So I passed him, driving totally normal. A few minutes later, here comes his head. Boom! The guy did it again. He passed me. Same thing. He slowed down. And so I waited a little while. I passed him. And then same thing, the third time. The third time when I was passing him, all of a sudden on the side of the road was a state trooper from Missouri, and he pulled me over for speeding. And I didn't. And then he also pulled that other guy over. And then I watched. He got me first. We got the other car. And the next thing I know, he's got that guy out, put the cuffs on him. <laughs> Had arrested him. So that guy must have been drinking or something. Anyway, he got in, but that's not the whole story. I mean, I was, I was innocent of that one, but I was guilty, but I was innocent. And so the whole story is if part of the next five years, every time we're around new people coming to church or preachers like Joseph, my dad got a ticket. My dad got a ticket. <laughs> I don't know why that gave Joe such a thrill. Every time I'd be shaking hands with new people in the church and here's Joe down there jerking the past. My dad got a ticket. <laughs> anyway, you know, the kids, I guess the, the moral of the story is, watch out what you do, because the kids will broadcast. I'm glad he finally grew up. <laughs> Amen. And so I know that I know that traffic prayer. I know that prayer very well. And so anyway, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. He saves them out of their distress. But I want you to notice verse 20, how victory and deliverance comes. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. They cried out and he sent his word. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So you notice how victory deliverance always comes to a believer. Their answers, answers always in the word. The answers always in the word. 
Now that verse I quote to you from 1 John 1, 7, where it says if we walk in the light, well, the Psalms teaches that His Word brings light. His Word is a lamp to our path, <clears throat> light to our feet. His Word brings light. And so we walk in the light. If we walk in the Word we know, He keeps us clean. He keeps us delivered. He keeps us in victory. So we as believers have to know it. As I look at this right here, it says, they cried out again when they were in trouble. said He sent His Word and healed them. Have you ever heard the story? Heard the story about the flood that came through the town and the man was a Christian and the flood was coming up, he was standing on his front porch. And here comes the boat up the street there, got the rescuers of the boat. They say, hey, come on, jump in the boat, jump in the boat. We're getting people out of here. And the guy says, I believe in God. No, thank you. I believe in God. Just, I believe in God. Thank you. And so the boat goes on and the water keeps rising. So the guy climbs up on the roof. And the helicopters that are out to see if anybody else that didn't get rescued yet. So the helicopters up there, they got the line dropped down, that ladder thing. Say, come on, man, get on the ladder. We're here to rescue you. Come on, get on there. Come out. Nope, I believe in God. I believe in God to rescue me. Come on, come on, get on. And so then it's glub, 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 glub. And he's in heaven. Says, what happened, Jesus? How come you didn't rescue me? Well, I sent a boat. You wouldn't get in. I sent a ladder. In the helicopter, you wouldn't climb it, so here you are. Welcome to heaven. And so too many times, too many times Christians get the answer from God. And they won't take it His way. They want it their way. And so what I'm saying for what we're looking at right here, for prepared for a move of God, the answer for what you're in right now is in the Word. The answer is more time in church. The answer is getting where the... Answers from God come from. And if you don't take it the way He wants to give it to you through the Word of God, then you're going to wake up in heaven someday, maybe before you want to get there, and all God's going to say, well, I had more for you to do, but welcome home. I'm glad you're here, son. I'm glad you're here, daughter. Welcome to heaven. Heaven's far better than earth, but why don't we stay a while down here? Well, we'll we'll, we'll close out with this. Verse 21, verse 22 says the same thing. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness as for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Flares works with rejoicing. At verse 43, as you're staying a person of praise, of testifying, of living for Jesus, obeying his word, said, whoso is wise and will observe these things. Even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And so I just want to say this. Be wise. Hear what he says. Do what he says. And you're really going to understand the heart of God. You will understand the heart of God if you do these things. And so I gave you a few verses uh, about the temptation. Let me just throw a couple at you right now for your home study. James 1, 13 to 17. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Matthew 26, 41. And Luke 4, 1 through 13, especially verse 13. These things will help you prepare for anything that comes your way and you'll be ready to move with God as God's moving through your house, moving through your church, moving through your city. We're going to be ready. Amen. Well, let's stand up and give the Lord a shout. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.